12 through 17. So John chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. And then just turn one book over to our passage from last week, uh, the book of Acts. And we're going to look at the first few verses of Acts 2. So John 12 and Acts 2. As we've said already, today is Palm Sunday. And so in the more liturgical churches, this begins their observation of Holy Week. And this concludes next Sunday with Easter. Uh, But we as ARPs, Scott-Irish Presbyterians, we have historically not held to the liturgical calendar. We don't bind ourselves to it. In part because uh, part of the Reformation was fighting against the Catholic Church and and binding conscience to hold to a liturgical calendar. However, this morning, we are going to look at some of the particulars of that first Palm Sunday, and particularly how it connects to Pentecost, because that's what we've been looking at in our study of Acts. So we want to see the connection between Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday at Pentecost, but then how it also leads us here to the sacrament of the communion. So we kind of have that, that big goal in mind as we read these passages you can think through. What does Palm Sunday have to do with Pentecost? And what does Palm Sunday and Pentecost have to do with the sacrament of communion? And Lord willing, that will make more sense to us here in a few moments. So let's pray now for the Lord's blessing our time together in his word. Father, we come now to you and to your word. It is a perfect word. It is a word without error. It's a word that is full of your truth. And so may we hear it as such. May we be convicted by it as such. And Lord, may you be glorified by the way we not only hear your word, but by the way we obey it. So Father, bless us in this way, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So John chapter 12, verses 12 through 17, and Acts 2, 1 through 4. We will stand together now for the reading of God's word. And the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees, and they went out to meet him, and they were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. Then over to Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound, like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. I would imagine most of us are probably familiar with with that phrase of, well, that that person really knows how to make an entrance. And uh, I'll be honest, when I say it, it doesn't tend to be a compliment. It's more tongue-in-cheek than actual appreciation of the entrance that that person just made. Because some people like to make an entrance so that they are seen. We know who they are. 
They're late to parties and events so that when they walk in, everyone will take notice of them. They're not going to, kind of, they're not going to try to slide in or slip in. They, they make an entrance because they want to make it all about them. They want the spotlight. They want to be seen. They want to be remembered. And so they make an entrance, or they know how to make an entrance that is all about them. So I usually, when that happens, I'll say along the lines, wow, that person really knows how to make an entrance. As we've already done it today, as we've already prayed, today is Palm Sunday. It's that day set aside in the church calendar that we remember the entrance that Jesus made into Jerusalem at the beginning of the Passover week. As we've already read this morning, as we know the story, it was quite an entrance, wasn't it? Crowds gathered. They were, white, they were waving palm leaves. They were laying down their cloaks on the road, and they were, as a crowd, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And people who were far away, some streets over, who weren't initially there, they, they heard all the commotion, and they would run over to see uh, what was happening. And maybe some of them grabbed a palm leaf and laid down their cloaks, and, and they joined in the celebration. As we read through the Gospels, it describes for us, it was quite the entrance. All eyes were on Jesus. But here's something we need to note. Jesus was not trying to make that sort of entrance. Jesus was and Jesus is full of humility. As Paul describes in Philippians 2 where he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So on this Palm Sunday, Jesus wasn't interested in making an entrance where all Jerusalem came out to celebrate him. Now, Jesus came to Jerusalem that Palm Sunday in humility and humbleness of being born in the likeness of men, not in that narcissistic arrogance of begging the crowd to see and notice him. And we see that humility on display and how Jesus came in. Because all each of the gospel writers note when he came in on, did you notice? It was a young donkey. It wasn't a big white horse. It wasn't some animal, uh, some magnificent beast that showed importance and status. No, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one for whom and through whom and to whom all things were created, rode in on that Palm Sunday on what? A humble, lowly donkey. And that's not the recipe for a grand entrance, is it? That's like being invited to a red carpet event and you pull up in a pinto instead of a Lamborghini. Jesus did not come that Palm Sunday looking to make a grand self-centered entrance. He came on a mission. And why did he come to Jerusalem for the Passover? Because of his mission. The mission that during that week the authorities would take him And they would take him back out of the gate of city. And they would crucify him on Golgotha, Calvary, which as we believe was either right next to or actually in a garbage dump for the city. 
So Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the glorious Son of God, made his way to that city on that Palm Sunday, riding on the back of the donkey on a death march. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew he would be betrayed by Judas. He knew he would be abandoned by his closest friends. He knew that the religious scholars and leaders who should have known who he is will be the very ones who were orchestrating his assassination, his murder, his execution. He knew as he came in that he would, be, he would soon stand a sham of a trial, that he would be beaten to near death, and then after all that he would be nailed to the cross. And he knew as he rode in on a donkey, as he, as he would hang on that cross, that he would be mocked, he would be ridiculed, he would be humiliated, and then he would die like a common thief. Jesus didn't come in for an entrance where people remember him in, that, in, in, in a way we tend to. He came in to make an entrance that would lead to his death. But that entrance... And mission he knew would also lead to his resurrection in the empty tomb. It would lead to his 40 days of resurrection. It would lead to his ascension. It would lead all the way to Pentecost. So which means this. On that Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode in on the back of a donkey and the people celebrated him, he knew that on the horizon was the cross and he knew right past that would be his ascension and his sending of the Holy Spirit his ascension as we said a couple Lord's days ago that was necessary for him to send the Holy Spirit so the Spirit could begin the work of the birth and the growth of the early church so we can think of it this way then on that first Palm Sunday Jesus rode in on donkey knowing there was going to be a good Friday knowing there was going to be an Easter, and knowing there was going to be a Pentecost. His grand entrance on that Palm Sunday would lead to the grand entrance of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. So think back with me to what happened on that first Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. John has described for us the grand entrance of Jesus on that Palm Sunday. And Luke here now describes for us the, the grand entrance of the Holy Spirit on that Pentecost. The Spirit sent from Jesus. And, and what an entrance it was. This divine wind from heaven that filled the room. And Jesus has described for us the Holy Spirit as being like a wind or a breath. So that the, the, the breath of God and the Holy Spirit has now come down upon the followers of Jesus. This little church in the upper room. And then as the sound of that died down, here comes this divine fire. The presence of God, like we see in Moses at the burning bush and the, the pillars of fire that God at God's people in the Exodus. This presence of God in the Holy Spirit that now settles on the people. And what happens? When they're now given this God-given ability to tell the mighty works of God in the languages of the people who were gathered on that day. 
the Holy Spirit-given ability to share the gospel. So now the Spirit has made this grand entrance into and onto the church. And just like on Palm Sunday, we see here that the people hear this grand entrance. And just like on Palm Sunday, when they come running to see Jesus on the back of a donkey, now they come to see the clamor of the entrance of the Holy Spirit. But just like Jesus on Palm Sunday, the Holy Spirit made this entrance to bring attention to himself. Rather, he did it for the opposite reason. As the breath and the presence, even the language of the triune God, the Holy Spirit has come to enable God's people to tell others of the mighty works of God. As we noted last week, the followers didn't go out and tell the people, look how great we are because we have the Holy Spirit. You hear that wind? You smell that fire? That's us. No, they went out to tell others about who he is and what he is doing. And Jesus tells us that's exactly why he sends the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, But the help of the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. How do we know the ministry of the Holy Spirit? When it's all about Jesus. How do we know that the Spirit is present when Jesus is being made known and Jesus is being glorified? Just like what happened on that Pentecost when the 120 followers of Jesus went out to tell others of the mighty works of God. Because the mightiest work of God isn't creation of the world. Our creation of man is not the flood, it's not the exodus. The mightiest work of God is the salvation of his people. It's that mighty work of the covenant of redemption, that covenant made before time where the triune God said, I will do everything, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I will do everything for the salvation of my people. Then to the covenant of grace, where that salvation is accomplished for God's people through Jesus Christ. The mightiest work of God is the sending of the Son to do all that needed to be done to save his people, which included dying on the cross, being laid in a tomb, and the resurrection and the ascension. The mightiest work of God is what is summed up for us at the table here in front of us this morning. From Palm Sunday to Pentecost to this table. The body of Jesus broken for our sins. The blood of Jesus spilt for our salvation. Not because we deserve it. Not because God looked down and said, those are some worthy people. Not because we can demand it. But because he chose to love us. Unworthy sinners like us. He chose to love us even to the point of death on the cross. And that was always the plan. From the beginning of time to Palm Sunday to Monday, Thursday to Good Friday to Easter to the resurrection to the ascension to Pentecost. This was always the plan. Accomplished by the Father sending the Son and the Son securing it and the Son and her Spirit applying it to our hearts, minds, and souls. This table proclaims what Jesus was marching to in that Palm Sunday, what he had to endure for our salvation, what he had to pass through 
in order he may send the Holy Spirit to minister this truth to us and in the church. And that's when the glorious truths of Scripture, it always circles back to Jesus. It always circles back to Jesus. Many of us are familiar with that great old bluegrass song, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? And it was actually written as a hymn that looks to eternal life for God's people. But when we look at Palm Sunday, and we look at Pentecost, and we look at this table, we see that there is a scarlet thread there. That scarlet thread that Jesus ties all together. So that this circle of the work of Jesus will never be broken. It will always be unbroken because Jesus is the thread that connects it and holds it. What he came to accomplish in that entrance on Palm Sunday was accomplished on the cross, in the tomb, and the ascension. And on Pentecost, he sent his Holy Spirit to minister to us that truth that we gather together this morning to spiritually feast on this truth. We come to this table where we are reminded by the Holy Spirit of the mighty work of God of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's what he came in on Palm Sunday for. That's what he died for on Easter. And that's what he sent to us in the ministry of his Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Let's pray together. Lord our God, we thank you.